decision on the use of Agent Orange is not unlike most decisions in war, which are the least worst alternatives. We save thousands, even though we are, in the long run, probably going to lose hundreds of those thousands. Admiral Elmo Zumwalt Jr. and his son Elmo III today on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. On this Memorial Day 2020, a very moving story of a father and a son caught up in an unpopular war with an unexpected and poignant outcome. In the 1960s, U.S. forces in Vietnam used a defoliant known as Agent Orange in an effort to make it harder for enemy forces to hide deep in the jungle. Agent Orange was very effective, but it also proved very deadly to hundreds of U.S. troops who later developed cancer. Now, in the late 1960s, the commander of U.S. naval forces in Vietnam was Admiral Elmo Zumwalt, Jr. His son, Elmo Zumwalt III, was also in the Navy and was among those exposed to Agent Orange, the Agent Orange ordered used by his father. And perhaps as a result of that exposure, Elmo Zumwalt III developed cancer. Father and son jointly wrote a book about their experiences in 1986, and that's when I met them. This is a story that, that virtually cried out to be told in a book like this, I mean, but it seems to me that it must have been very painful for both of you to think back and recall the experiences, put them down on paper, and then look at that paper and read the words that you'd just written. I think it was difficult, but I think both Elmo and I agreed that the, the primary purpose for doing the book was to have some impact on showing what love and support could do uh, in a crisis, both in war and in a battle against cancer, and that if we were going to have that impact, we had to be completely open and frank about our feelings. Admiral, you say that you don't regret the decision to spray Agent Orange because it saved so many lives. Yet I'm sure people will sympathize with the pain that you must be feeling when you hear about the cancers and the birth defects that result from Agent Orange. Yes, uh, and there is pain. Uh, the The decision uh, on the use of Agent Orange is not unlike most decisions in war, which are the least worst alternatives. Uh, you drop bombs uh, very close to your own front lines in order to prevent them from being overrun, and you kill some of your own people to save a larger number. Similarly with naval gunfire, uh, so it was with Agent Orange. We saved thousands, even though we are, in the long run, probably going to lose hundreds of those thousands. It's sort of allegorical to cancer treatment. You, know, you take risks. You risk killing healthy cells to to attack the cancer. There, There's a great deal of risk involved. It's kind of an irony, that, that a counterpoint in the book that I noticed. It's a very good parallel, you know. Likewise, Elmo, you said that the, the spraying of Agent Orange was, in your mind, a perfectly justifiable condition. To this day, you don't argue with, this, with the decision. And no question about it. Having been a uh, combat river uh, patrol veteran, I was in rivers and canals that were so narrow that we couldn't turn a 55-foot boat around in them. And I was in some of those before defoliation and in it afterwards. And... Uh, the difference was remarkable, the, the difference of taking fire from a few feet away versus 
thousands of yards away uh, made a real difference in being able to handle the firefights. There's probably a good chance you wouldn't even be sitting here today if Agent Orange hadn't been sprayed. I believe that that's clearly the case. Wow. What is there today that frightens you, if anything? Well, I've certainly felt uh, fear in my life. Uh, I felt it in a very real and graphic way in Vietnam. The uh, unpredictability of uh, when there would be a firefight, the uh, uncertainty of knowing when somebody might be killed or wounded, uh, the, the agonizing, terrifying uh, battles that went on was something that I think uh, everyone felt in such a way that they felt fear. Uh, interestingly enough, in the bone marrow transplant, uh, although that was the most um, physically agonizing thing that has ever happened to me in my life, uh, Vietnam still is the most emotionally agonizing thing that's ever happened to me, and I really didn't feel fear in the transplant environment, and I'm not sure why that's the case, uh, because both in Vietnam and both in the transplant and, and in the transplant uh, case, I did not think that my time had come. I, my attitude was is that I was getting through each one of those uh, events, but uh, I'm not afraid to be afraid. I don't think anyone should uh, fear fear itself. It's just something to. Uh, handle the best you can when it seizes you. I think uh, Elmo's example of courage has been the ability to face up to his fear. It strikes me that it would have been so easy for lesser men to blame each other. You to blame your son for wanting to come to Vietnam in the first place, what a crazy decision that was. You to blame your dad for spraying the thing that's giving you cancer. Yet both of you have put that behind you. You're fighting this thing together. It's what a wonderful example that is for people. How can you do that? Well, I think that the most important uh, lesson that a uh, cancer patient can learn is uh, to recognize uh, that you're fighting something that may very well be bigger than you and that uh, marshalling your forces and fighting it the most effective in the most effective manner that you can is uh, essential. Uh, you need to get on with the fighting the battle. You may be victorious. Uh, if not, uh, you're certainly going to weather it better than any other uh, way that you can handle it. And I don't care how tenacious an individual is, uh, as I bring out in my father and my son, uh, unless you have a close family and friends that love and support you, uh, it's, it's going to probably be impossible to make it. And I think that all of us should recognize that will be from time to time called for that kind of love and support and, and readily give it to uh, people who are in harm's way. Let's say we're back in 1968 and you've got it to do over again. Is there anything that either of you would do differently than what you did, given the same circumstances? Well, I guess the first point I would make is that uh, I would fight even more strongly than I did before to have kept us out of that war, I was opposed to our getting into it. Uh, and I guess, uh, second, having gotten into that war, I would fight even more strongly to have it come out right. Uh, as you know from uh, what we say in the book, we believe that we had won the war in Vietnam and lost it back here through the combination of uh, Mr. Nixon's loss of the capacity to govern 
and the manipulation that the Viet Cong and Hanoi were able to bring about in our own population. Has that Vietnam experience harmed our ability to deal with, say, the crisis in Central America? We keep hearing that that's going to become another Vietnam. Yes, I, I think it has. I think that uh, we're still suffering from the uh, trauma of Vietnam in such a way that it makes it difficult for a president to carry out intelligent policy. It is quite clear that the Soviet and Cuban objectives in Nicaragua are to have a military infrastructure that will make it possible to control the whole isthmus, including the Panama Canal, to sever militarily the two continents in war, and to use that base to subvert Mexico and control Mexico's oil and Mexico's border into the United States for all of the subversion that that will permit, thereby forcing us to withdraw our forces from Europe. And yet we seem unable as a, a country to be willing to make the decision that we've got to fight someplace. Inevitably, it's going to be at the Mexican border if we don't do our best down in Central America. If I may, could I ask either of you a question that is not directly related to the book, but I wanted to ask if there was something in the news yesterday. Uh, several veterans of World War II and Korea and Vietnam returned their medals to the United States, the, the bronze stars that they'd won and other medals, to protest our policies in Central America. How would either of you react to that? My reaction would be that there uh, is always a minority among veterans who idealistically have come to the conclusion that uh, war has got to be avoided at all costs. It's the same uh, mindset that led to the Chamberlain era in England. If we are unwilling ever to draw the line, we are inevitably bound to defend ourselves on our own shores. I think that, uh, that veterans should not uh, be so disillusioned that one of the uh, things that this country has got to ask and answer is uh, after the Vietnam War is when are we willing to defend ourselves from other than direct attack. That's a complex, subtle uh, issue, but uh, when you recognize uh, the aggressive doctrine of the Soviets, it's something that we have to face on a day-by-day -day basis. I noticed that the movie rights have been optioned, uh, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. If I were in your positions, I would be so worried that you've got such a good book here, and we've seen what Hollywood can do with good books. Are you afraid at all that they're going to turn it into something much more commercial, uh, distort the story somehow to make it uh, have it more box, box office appeal? Well, I, I guess my feeling is that uh, Elmo and I have both fought many battles, and that's another one we'd be prepared to fight. I think it's important to report that that book, My Father, My Son, was written in Elmo's part uh, on the chemotherapy table because he was unwilling to take family time to do it and unwilling to do it uh, at the expense of his law practice, being unfair to his law partners. And so we put the tape recorder on the table and talked until he became nauseated or fell asleep uh, for over a year's period of time and continued it when he was in the air bubble in Seattle. I think a, a tremendous demonstration of courage. I believe that uh, my father, my son, uh, demonstrates uh, that deep feelings in this day and age, whether it's the camaraderie and brotherhood of a crew fighting a war in Vietnam, or whether it's the love and support that a family and friends gives a terminal patient,
uh, can make a difference and uh, that uh, the way a person should proceed in facing the battle of cancer is uh, demonstrated by uh, my father, my son. Well, Hollywood did indeed make a TV movie about the Zumwalts and their story, with Carl Malden playing Admiral Zumwalt and Keith Carradine as Elmo III. But less than two years after our interview, Elmo Zumwalt III died at the age of 42. Admiral Zumwalt passed away in 2000 at the age of 79. And the U.S. Navy named a guided missile destroyer group the Zumwalt class in his honor. Now, if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to Now I've Heard Everything in your favorite podcast app. We're on iHeart, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, and many other major platforms. New episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, my 2010 interview with comedian, political commentator, and TV host, Samantha B. I didn't know what I wanted to be. I didn't have really a passion for anything in particular. So I thought I would become a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson.